The following podcast was originally released for the fine folks over on my Patreon on Friday, April 1st, 2022. You too can join the Patreon for just a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. You're listening to just another... F- oh, wait, no, that's that's not right. Uh, this is not just another fanboy. Uh, this is my other podcast. Hello and welcome to this here episode of my other podcast. I almost said just another fanboy because of that dumb intro I put together at the last second because I don't always plan for these things. You guys know that. So today I want to talk about the first six issues of The Human Target, which is a black label book from DC Comics. It's written by Tom King with art by Greg Smallwood and... You know, it's funny. I had originally meant to talk about this on Just Another Fanboy. And I, you know, I I try to schedule my episodes ahead of time. I I plan out, you know, which what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. And then God just kind of sits back and laughs at the idea that I'm sitting here trying to schedule things and, and structure my life in any way. And originally, I I thought, all right, so I kind of missed the window for the first issue. I I think I was two issues in, and I thought, man, I should be talking about this on just another fanboy because it's 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 really flipping good. And so I thought, all right, well, there's twelve issues altogether. Here's what I'll do: I'll after the third issue, I'll do an episode, and I'll just do four episodes total, covering three issues each. So that went down on my schedule. And I don't, you know, I can't remember what happens to mess with my schedule. I don't, I can't, there's so much, there's so much that happens to me every single day that just smacks my structure and my scheduling apart like a baseball bat to a Lego tower. And I can't be expected to remember all the things that mess with my schedule. And so the third issue came along. I read it. I didn't get it. I couldn't do the episode. And I thought, that's all right. I'll wait till the fourth issue. And after the uh, the fourth issue comes out, then I'll do three episodes, each one covering four issues of the book. Well, the fourth issue came and went. I read it. I loved it. Schedule was not on schedule. So, of course, I didn't record that episode, which kind of ended up being a good thing, because then I find out that they are taking a break between issues six and seven. And so uh, I just decided at that point, all right, I'll do I'll do six, six issues per episode. And when that couldn't quite fit into the schedule, because I have episode 250 coming up and, and, and all that junk. So I thought, well, I'll just I'll just record my thoughts on the first six issues for uh, my good folks over here on my other podcast. And then I will do the same when the final six issues are out and, you know, complete my thoughts on the entire run. But I'll say right off the bat that I am just madly in love with this series. Um, I almost didn't pick it up. You know, one of the nice things of of purchasing your your comics digitally is that when, for example, a number one issue comes and you decide, eh, 
I'm going to skip this series. And then a few weeks later, you hear everybody talking about it and you think, well, maybe I shouldn't have slept on this series. Maybe I should have picked it up. Uh, and then you drive over to your comic book store and they're all sold out. And so you have to think to yourself, well, I could find other comic book stores. I could try to buy it online, you know, have it shipped to me and blah, blah, blah. You don't got to worry about any of that with digital comics. They're always there unless the people who own the rights to the issues and the book and the story decide they no longer want to sell it digitally. It's always going to be there. So I, I picked up the first issue and again, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know anything at all about the character of the human target. I've never read any of those comic books. Don't know anything about Christopher Chance. Anything I've learned about this character, I have learned based on these six issues. And as it is a black label book, I don't know how true to the actual character uh, we're, we're getting here in this in this book in this these six issues so far. Um, and I'm all right with that. I uh, I'm really uh, quite enjoying the uh, out of continuity stories like this. Uh, you know, Human Target, DC versus Vampires, Deceased. You know, those types of books I'm really starting to enjoy much more than the regular in continuity stories because there are actual ramifications. People can die. You, you know, stuff can happen. There is character growth. You know, it's, it's not all about just sensationalism and then taking it back to the status quo by the end of the story so that the next creative team can continue from there. That's, that's why I'm enjoying a lot of these uh, out of continuity stories. So I remember when they were taught, when, when previews were going up and people were talking about this book beforehand, the one thing that intrigued me most about it was the inclusion of the Justice League International, the, the Keith Given, uh, Kevin McGuire. Is that the guy's name? Gosh, my memory sucks, but the Bwahaha Justice League, which I hate that term. Um, you know, I'm rereading those books and I'm a number of issues in and no, not one person has said Bwahaha at any point. I know it happens. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten that nickname for this run for this era of the justice league but anyway uh that intrigued me because one of the characters of course from that era of the justice league is the blue beetle and he is one of my favorite dc characters i wish somebody would do a series with him and we'll, we'll talk about him in a bit because he's featured in in one of these six issues and while that piqued my interest the fact that tom king was writing it made me made me question whether or not it was something I wanted to get. And and so I, I didn't get it when the first issue came out. And I'll, I'll say that I have read a number of things from Tom King, but I read his Vision series over at Marvel, didn't really care for it. I tried to read his Mr. Miracle uh, series over at DC and got not very far into it, did not enjoy it at all. And uh, I started to read his Adam Strange series at DC as well. And again, it just it, there's something about it that didn't quite tickle my fancy, I guess you could say. Now, I, I did read the first issue of his Rorschach series. It, too, is a black label. It's out of continuity. And I I enjoyed it, but I, I need to go back and finish it. So that was one of the, the main reason why I didn't end up 
picking up this book at first. Uh, but then I did, and I'm really glad I did because it's 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 just quite good. We'll we'll talk about the details here in a moment, but um, because I'm enjoying this so much, and he also is is on uh, Supergirl, Supergirl, uh, Woman of Tomorrow, I believe that series is called, and I am just absolutely loving that series as well. So. It's making me rethink, you know, maybe I should go back and revisit his Mr. Miracle book. Maybe I should go back and revisit his Adam Strange book. I'm definitely going to be checking out his Danger Street book, but I'm also very aware that it takes more than a writer for me to enjoy a book. The art has to be uh, not just good. It has to be, you know, it's it's got to be able to tell the story. And Greg Smallwood on this book just... I mean, he's running at an 11. Out of 10, he's running at an 11. He says, trying to speak. So let me just, let me just run down some basics of this story. There is a huge spoiler for issue number six. I'm going to tell you right now, I will be spoiling it. So please keep that in mind. I may play the, uh, the little spoiler short that I put together. I think I stuck it in a, in an episode of, uh, just another fanboy a couple of weeks back uh, in which I, I I took just a bit from MC Frontalot's spoiler alert song. Uh, but just just be aware that that I will be I'll be spoiling the book and I will be talking about what happened near the end of the sixth issue because uh, I feel we need to talk about it. So human target, it's a it's a guy named Christopher Chance and his job, what he does, he hires himself out to uh, impersonate others who might be targeted or believed to be targeted for assassination. And he puts himself out there as the, the target to draw the assassins out so that they can then catch the, the assassin, the hitman, the hitwoman, whoever, whatever they've hired. He's, that's, that's his job. So the premise behind this story is that he has taken a job where he uh, impersonates Lex Luthor. There uh, appears to be a credible threat against his life. They're not sure where it's coming from. And so he poses as Lex Luthor during like a corporate speech type thing. You know, Steve, Steve Jobs used to do those all the time for Apple, you know, big announcement things. And, and uh, some dude steps out of the crowd and takes a shot at him course he he's always prepared for this so it doesn't kill him he's wearing like bulletproof vest and all all that junk and they end up catching the guy and arresting him and everything but then as he is leaving or actually no it's it's while he is there uh he passes out he 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 learns that he has been poisoned so whoever was th- this guy that that tried to kill Lex Luthor that tried to assassinate him there was actually somebody else trying to kill Luther at the same time for what we're assuming at this point is completely different reasons. Uh, and they poisoned his coffee, which, you know, chance had some before he stepped out to, uh, do the little Luther speech. And in fact, when he is shot in the chest, he throws up the, the pain from being shot causes him to throw up. And it's really the only thing that, stops him from dying uh, rather quickly from the poison because he, he threw some of it up when, when he was shot. Well, he goes to see Dr. Midnight. Is that the dude's name from, I think he was a member of the Justice Society. He's basically like a superhero and a doctor at the same time. He's got 
I think he's got magic goggles. They keep referring to these goggles that he wears. And he, uh, he basically tells uh, Chance that, that he has been poisoned. Uh, he's got 12 days to live. And then we learn that there is a radiation signature that he found within the poison that uh, is linked to a certain universe, I believe. And the only people... I, I I just I I just reread all six of these issues, but sometimes I get a little foggy. I feel like it was a radiation signature that only comes from a particular universe, and the only people on Earth known to have visited that universe were the members of the Justice League International. So we're talking Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, uh, Fire, Ice, Gnort. Uh, is that how you, I don't know if his name is pronounced Nort or Gnort. I feel like it's Gnort. Uh, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Red Rocket 7, Mr. Miracle. Who else was on that team? Anyway, he knows that one of them is the murderer. And then he finds out that there was a, a some big bad, you know, some cosmic bad guy that, that came to Earth. And he had been to Earth before and he got his, his, his clock. What? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that turn of phrase. He got his clock cleaned. That's what it is. Somebody cleaned his clock. And so he he left Earth, but then he comes back for some inconceivable reason. And while he is back, he kills Ice. And she, of course, is, she, she's alive again because that's what superheroes do. They die and they come back to life. But it's discovered that the reason why this cosmic bad guy came back to Earth is that he had a deal with Lex Luthor and uh, Luther brought him back so the guy could kill Superman and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And, and during all this, the guy killed Ice. And if you know your Justice League history, which I kind of do, I mean, I read all of them back then, back in the 80s, but I don't, you know, my, my memory can barely stretch back to a few days ago and I just reread these six issues. But Ice was like the most beloved member of the team. She was really sweet. She was very innocent. Um, and she dated Guy Gardner at one point. Now, again, this is a black label book, so I don't know how deep into the history they're going because it is an alternate history. It's an, it's a different universe. It's an, it's a, a, a pocket continuity or whatever. But in the main history of, of the Justice League International or the, just the Justice League of America as it was before they went international, Guy Gardner is, he gets a bump on the head. And I, I believe it's after Batman punches him and he he's knocked out cold and he wakes up under a, a computer, you know, a big bank of computers and he knocks his, he hits his head and he turns into this super nice, thoughtful guy. Guy Gardner is a jerk. He's an a-hole. He's, he's a, a screaming conservative Republican who thinks Rambo is God and uh, he hits his head and he suddenly turns into this super thoughtful Nice guy. Uh, and, and it's around the time that I think Ice and Fire joined the team. And Ice being, like I said, sweet and innocent and just a good kid. She really uh, identifies with this version of Guy Gardner and they end up dating. And when he, well, when his personality reverts back to the jerk, I believe they continued to start dating. But at this point, they're no longer dating. Um but Guy Gardner would have reason to want to kill Lex Luthor. 
fire would have reason to want to kill Lex Luthor because ice is her bestie. They're, they're BFFs. They love each other. There's, there's nothing they wouldn't do for each other. And so basically chance has 12 days to find out who poisoned him. Not just, you know, not so he can put him in jail or, or cure himself. He knows he's dying, but he basically wants to kind of take them out. He's going, they're going down with him. And the way that the book has, is set up, at least so far, is that each issue is one of these 12 days. So by the time we get to issue number six, it's the sixth day. Well, immediately what happens is the, the character of Ice shows up at his doorstep. She uh, ha- was called by Dr. Midnight and was told what was going on with, with uh, Christopher Chance. Um, and she tells him that it's fairly obvious that she may be even she she may even be the one that tells uh chance about how she died and 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 basically she says that uh, he he will eventually come to the conclusion that there's a good chance the reason why someone tried to poison Lex Luthor and ended up getting him was uh to get back at Lex for ultimately killing her and that the one person within the Justice League that would uh probably want to do that the most is fire. And she is there basically to tell him, you know, she would never do that. I know everything is going to, it's, it's going to seem like she's got the best motive and she probably does, but that's not the kind of person she is. And I, I want to tell you that. And I, and I just kind of want to help you figure out who did this. We learn, however, that Dr. Midnight was not the one that called ice. Uh, Chance actually called her himself disguising his voice as Dr. Midnight, because that's what he does. That's his thing. And it was, it's up, was a part of his investigation. He wanted to let her, you know, make sure that the information got to her. He wanted to see how she was going to react to it and stuff. And though, so, uh, throughout these six issues, he and ice kind of grow closer and closer and they end up becoming lovers in the nighttime and sometimes lovers in the daytime. Uh, and this is, this is happening while he's investigating, the other members of her team. There, there's an issue where uh, they go to see Booster Gold, and we find out that there's something about uh, the water that maybe the poison was in. I, I honestly now I, I can't quite remember the exact details, but basically, Booster Gold has opened a chain or at least one uh, bagel joint, uh, Booster's Bagels, I think they're called. And he uses his time traveling capabilities to acquire the ingredients for his bagels from different points in time. And in order to do this, apparently he needed a certain amount of money, um, which he went to his buddy Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle, to get. And Ted wouldn't loan him the money. Anyway, it, it's a whole thing. But the whole it's basically it's a whole mystery throughout these first six issues who, which one of the members of the justice league, uh, poisoned Christopher chance. And throughout these six issues, like, like I said, there's one where one issue where he's in, they, they talk to booster gold. There's one issue where they talk to blue beetle. Uh, there's one issue where he, he gets the goods on Martian manhunter and fire. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then there's also moments throughout these six issues where Guy Gardner keeps showing up, who is super jealous over the fact that Chance and Ice have hooked up. He can, he still considers Ice as his girlfriend, and she keeps telling him that that 
they broke up a long time ago. There's nothing, you know, there, there, there's nothing between the two of them. He's very much, you know, one of these toxic masculinity type guys who, uh, he doesn't treat women very well. He, uh, he, he's very stalkery. Uh, he, he's basically, he's not a good guy. And it's, it's kind of crazy because he's got a green lantern ring. And that's like the, probably the one story point maybe in this series that I don't quite agree with. Cause he really, I mean, I don't know. I guess Guy Gardner has been kind of an a-hole the whole time in regular DC continuity. And yet he's still got a green lantern ring. So whatever. I, I can't blame that on Tom King, but there are moments in the book where he beats up chance and chance has one of his buddies. He disguises him as, as Hal Jordan to trick uh, guy into giving away his ring for a little bit, because the only person in existence that guy Gardner is afraid of and respects is Hal Jordan. And, uh, Anyway, Guy is not a big fan of Chance, and Chance is not a big fan of Guy. But what this whole first six issues is leading up to ultimately ends up being the idea that, in the end, it looks like Fire is the one that is behind the poisoning of Christopher Chance. And we learn that because we we learn that that Chance uh, did a lot of training with uh, some alien uh, girl from Titan, one of the moons of Saturn. And she taught him all this mental, all these mental capabilities, basically to try to protect your brain from, uh, psychic intrusion from someone like a Martian Manhunter who, uh, can, you know, use his psychic abilities to read people's minds. And, uh, in the end, she basically teaches him a technique that, won't keep people out of his brain, but will focus them on some of his more painful memories so that he can quickly then use their intrusion as a backdoor to get into their mind and get the information that he needs. And, and it's, it's by doing that that he learns that Fire and Martian Manhunter have been having an, an ongoing affair for a while, which really kind of makes Martian Manhunter into like some kind of sadist kink type of stuff because the one thing that Martians uh, are are vulnerable to is fire. And of course, fire has fire abilities, flame abilities. And and so he kind of apparently gets off on the fact that she will burn him a little when they're doing it. And so by the conclusion of the sixth issue, we, the reader, are led to believe that fire is the the suspect. I, however, don't buy it. Now, I will say up front that when it comes to mysteries and figuring out who the murderer is, nine times out of 10, I am usually wrong. Uh, I tend to try to think my way around things too much. And uh, for and, and I go for what I think is is the obvious answer. And it often is so obvious that it's not the answer. But in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what they're trying to point us toward is too obvious of an answer. So that can't see in my, in my mind, I'm always like, well, they're wanting us to look at this person. That's what they're, that's who they're, they are directing us to. And to write a mystery, you have to be more clever than that. You can't point everybody towards 
a suspect and then find out at the end that is the actual suspect. It's you're it's you're as a mystery writer, you're supposed to trick the reader. And at the same time, from what I remember, I, I don't I don't read a lot of mysteries, but based on on podcasts and stuff that I that I've listened to in regard to writing and whatnot, a good mystery novel will introduce you to your murderer in the very first chapter. In fact, uh, you'll get most of your suspects in that first chapter, but one of them will be your murderer, or at least in the first act of the book, you will be introduced to you to your murderer. And so using that type of logic, when I look at this story, technically you were sort of introduced to many of these uh, Justice League members. There, There's one page near the very beginning of issue one, it might even be the first or second page, where you see kind of a quick breakdown of the following 11 days. And on each day, you're seeing basically just a fragment of a scene. And in those fragments, you see, uh, if you're looking closely and you know what to look for, you see Fire and Martian Manhunter and and uh, Red Rocket 7 and, and, and a few others. But the one character that you meet in that first issue is Ice. And... I am just, I'm just leaning toward Ice in the end being the murderer because A, she's, we met her in the first chapter basically in issue one. B, uh, you know, in a lot of these, uh, crime dramas, these, these, you know, these shows and movies and whatnot, they, the, the, the profiler or the detective or whatever will tell you that, uh, some of these criminals will try to inject themselves into the investigation. And that's totally what she's doing. So I just, I think it's her. That That's just me. I, I just, plus something happens in issue number six that leads me to believe and, and probably leads a lot of people to believe that uh, Ice is not the sweet, innocent girl that we all thought she was, at least not in this particular universe. Because, all right, so here we go. Here comes the big spoiler. And before I actually say it, if if I can, I'll insert that music. But nah, I'm not going to insert the music because I'm going to talk about it a lot. And I don't want to, you know, anyway, here we go. So in issue six, Guy Gardner comes back once more to uh, lay a little smackdown on Chance. He actually, I think it's not until issue six that Guy Gardner realizes that Chance and Ice are actually sleeping together. And so he comes to uh, kick Chance's butt. And Ice at this point is just, she's fed up. She's frustrated with all of his intrusions for his um, belief that she is someone that, you know, that she belongs to him, that he has any say. He can control her life. It's just, she's she's had enough. And so they are fighting, basically, and... She is throwing her ice powers at him. And of course, he's using his ring to block all of it. And so Chance pulls a gun and he takes a shot at Guy, which he does so knowing that the guy will will deflect it with his ring. But he guesses, he theorizes that ice is so powerful that Guy is using all of his willpower to direct his ring to deflect her ice powers and just distracting him even the slightest bit 
to redirect some of his willpower to deflect this bullet will open up a window for ice to to strike. And she does, and she basically freezes him solid, and then Chance punches Guy in the face, and he breaks up into, you know, a thousand pieces of, of frozen Guy. And then the two of them just let him melt. There, there, there's a moment where the, the, the narration box, you know, the, the narration boxes in the comic, Chance is saying that, you know, there, 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 there was a point where they could have gone for help. They could have contacted one of her superhero buddies. Something could have been done. You know, these are superheroes. This kind of stuff happens all the time, but neither of them do it. They don't think about it. They don't talk about it. And eventually they reach a point where it's, it's too late. He's, he's freaking dead. He is nothing but melted blood ultimately on the floor. And at one point, Chance even says that she asks him, Ice asks him at one point, do you think anybody knew that guy was here? And he doesn't. He, there's a whole thing where he, you know, reason why he doesn't think anybody knows where guy is. But he mentions it to point out to us that ultimately what she is saying is, all right, I know that, that he's dead. I know that I helped kill him. Um, now we have to cover it up is basically what she was saying. And there are many moments throughout these first six issues where he really kind of hints at certain things that he sees in her. There's the Blue Beetle issue, for example. There is... Uh, it's a wonderful issue where they're just basically in the bug going throughout different areas of the United States fighting uh, bad guys and whatnot. And Ice is basically she's teaming up with Blue Beetle and uh, Chance is following along They're 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 going around with him so they can ask him, you know, questions during their investigation. But each time like they foil a bank robbery and they, they stop a, like a mutant bear monster thing. But she's fighting alongside of him and Chance hit hints multiple times about how basically she's holding back. You, that, that, you know, people don't really quite understand maybe how powerful she actually is. And, and it's, it's those reasons why I think that in the end we're going to find out that, that she's the killer. Uh, but 99.9% of the time I am typically proven wrong. Um, I do need to wrap this up, but one thing I wanted a couple, couple of actually two things I wanted to say real quick. Let me talk about the art first. Um, it's beautiful. This is a this is kind of kind of a, a crime noir type of film. Film. I say film because it's that that's that's the feel. Kind of like a quite a a, a, a a crime. I can't talk crime noir film set in the fifties. Basically, the 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 fifties, uh, early sixties maybe, and the art really represents that but it's not the, the 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 really great thing about it is that it's not dark it's not all dark and shadowy it's it's bright and colorful and pastel and and uh the 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 color palette is it's very simple the i just i love 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 the coloring in this book and the art is amazing this is one of these books that even though i don't collect physical copies anymore i would love to have all 12 of these issues, the, the physical copies of these issues, because everything about them is so appealing to my eye. The, the covers are great. The interiors are great. It's just, it's, it's like sometimes you want to own a piece of art. And that's how I feel about these 12 books. It, they look, well, 
I don't know about the other six, but so far these first six books just look so gorgeous and they just, they appeal to me so much that I, I, I have this desire within me to own the physical copies just so I know that I own copies of this art. You know, seeing it on my tablet just isn't enough. I have to hold those copies. I have to put them in mylar bags with backing boards and crap, you know, even more. I would love to get, you know, not, not like the C, the, the CGC frames, you know, the, the, I think those things are ugly, the slabs that they use, but there are legitimate, uh, comic book slabbing frames that just look, you know, that are, they're made to show off your comics. And I would love to get all 12 of these issues because I'm sure the last six are going to be just as beautiful and display them, you know, on the walls of my house because that's how beautiful these books look. That's how into this art I am. I, I have to own it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend more money on them. That's, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't have room on my walls for that kind of stuff. And, and, and ultimately purchasing them, sticking them in mylar bags and then hiding them away in storage boxes, comic book boxes just seems wrong because they are, they're beautiful. They're gorgeously beautiful books. And, uh, I need to seek out more of, uh, Greg Smallwood's work because I am just head over heels when it comes to the look of these books. The last thing I wanted to talk about real quick was the, the Blue Beetle issue I loved so much because I think it perfect, yeah, we're here again. I think it perfectly encapsulates how I feel, uh, or why I love the Blue Beetle because in the end, like one of the last things that Chance says to the Blue Beetle, or maybe he just says it in his narration boxes, is that Ted is just a good guy. He's just a good dude. You know, he's he's a nice guy. He just wants to do the right thing. And I think I've said it before, the the one of the reasons I love Ted Cord Blue Beetle so much is that he's kind of the anti-Batman. You know, he he doesn't have superpowers. He's a rich uh, you know, he's a, a rich billionaire tycoon, uh super smart uh, investigator. He, he is everything that Batman is except for he smiles and he's happy. And that's what I love about him. That's, you know, I like Batman, but sometimes that, that whole dour Batman thing just gets on my nerves. The, the darkness, the striking fear into the hearts of men and all that crap sometimes just gets on my nerves. But Blue Beetle, when he is done right, I just, I love that character. And I wish, I would love to see uh, Tom King at this point do a Blue Beetle series um, just based on that one issue. I think I think there are others who could do it better, um, but it was a great issue. I don't remember which issue it is. It's it's one of my favorite covers because it, it just has uh, Christopher Chance on the cover with basically all these comic book sound effects all around him because... He just, throughout that issue, he's just kind of standing around uh, drinking from his flask while Blue Beetle and Ice take care of the evildoers. Um, this is a great series. I'm looking forward to his Danger Street, Tom King's Danger Street book. Again, I obviously cannot lay everything on the shoulders of Tom King for this book for the reason why I love it, because I don't know how much I would still be enjoying this book were it not for the art of Greg Smallwood. 
the the two of them combined have created something that is almost near perfection, if not absolute perfection. And, you know, it's funny because after issue number six came out, apparently there were a lot of people online very angry about how the issue went down. Guy Gardner dying and blah, blah, blah. And people were like, thanks for ruining comics for me, Tom King. And and, and crap like that. And first of all, you know, the one thing I, I, I have to say to these people, this is not in continuity. That's why it's a black label book. This is not canon. And that's what makes it great. And that's what makes out of continuity stories great. That's what makes books like these way more fun than an in continuity story. Because stuff like that can happen. Because flipping Guy Gardner can die at the end of it. And, uh, there are actual consequences. There are stakes. You actually feel a sense of dread. You fear for these characters because anything can happen. Even if it's a Superman book set in an alternate universe, you never know, right? You just never know. I mean, look at, well, I don't want to spoil that other series right now, but that, uh, that, I think that's literally that's all the time I have. So, uh, Human Target, issues one through six. I don't like to recommend books to people because being the low-rent fanboy that I am, I'm always afraid that I'm going to suggest that somebody go out and buy a book and they spend money that they can't afford on something based on my recommendation and then they don't like it. I, I, I feel bad at that point, but I love this book so much, these first six issues, that I would... I would recommend it to anybody. Now, there's always the fear that those last six issues are going to be terrible. You know, it's like a Stephen King book. Stephen King, in in some of his books, he is he's one of my favorite fiction writers out there. And he does have a history of writing just great books, great stories, great characters. And then the the endings flop. And I hope that doesn't happen in this in this book. But uh, so far, the first six issues one of my most favorite things that I've read uh, over the last few years. It's it's up there in my in, in my top five with stuff like Murder Falcon. I could go on and on, but I'm not gonna. Bye.